Welcome to Cardio Radio, a podcast of the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative, also known as Cardio. This is Dr. Michael Constant from the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, and I serve as the principal investigator for Cardio, a statewide network of Ohio's seven medical schools. Cardio is funded by the Ohio Department of Medicaid and shares best practices to improve cardiovascular health, diabetes outcomes, and to eliminate health disparities in Ohio's Medicaid population. The opinions and recommendations in this podcast are those of the presenters and not those of Cardio and its sponsors, and are not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello, I am Dr. Susan Davis, Associate Professor of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. I am a family physician and geriatrician and interim podcast lead for Cardio's Team Best Practices. In this podcast, we will discuss outreach as a part of population health management. With me today is Dr. Sherry Bolin. Dr. Bolin is a professor of medicine at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, a general internist, and co-principal investigator of Cardio. Dr. Bolin directs the Population Health and Equity Research Institute at the Metro Health System and has successfully led regional and statewide efforts to improve hypertension and glycemic control in primary care clinics serving diverse populations. Thank you for being here, Dr. Bolin. Thanks for having me. Dr. Bolin, to start with, what do you mean when you talk about health outreach in the context of cardiovascular health and disease? Well, thanks for asking me that question because outreach can be defined in different ways by different people. And in this context, I'm talking about how outreach is when we do something health-related to a patient when they are not at the clinic. So an example of this might include providing vaccinations in a community setting or calling a patient to work with them on a health issue, such as blood pressure control or smoking cessation. And in contrast, Sometimes you'll hear the word in-reach, and that's used when we do something while a patient is being seen at the clinic to improve care. For instance, having a standard process to ensure we ask all patients if they smoke or use tobacco, and then offer smoking cessation medications and support to people who use tobacco products. So how do you think health systems do focused outreach on specific groups? When do they incorporate this into care for patients? Yeah, I'll talk about two different populations or groups that I think it's important to mention. The first is that most outreach efforts by the health system or clinic are focused on areas where there are care gaps. For instance, they might focus on outreach based on a particular condition. This could include outreach to all patients whose last blood pressure was high, but who have no upcoming appointment to re-engage them in care. The second piece I'd like to mention is something that we encourage health systems to do, and that's really looking at their outcomes by race, ethnicity, or by socioeconomic status to conduct tailored outreach to specific groups as part of a larger approach to eliminate disparities in a particular condition. How does outreach fit into cardiovascular quality improvement efforts you have worked on in the past and currently? Outreach is typically part of a bundle of activities that we do to improve a particular outcome. So for instance, in a hypertension best practice bundle um, that's been used successfully in improving blood pressure control across diverse populations within the last decade, we've seen a bundled approach where 
there's several key elements. One is accurate blood pressure measurement. The second is monthly follow-up and staff-led visits until the blood pressure is controlled. The third is a treatment algorithm that prioritizes once daily low-cost medications. And the third is outreach, which is part of that bundle to re-engage patients in care. And that bundled approach has really been shown to improve blood pressure control in our region across diverse health systems. And in our region in particular, with about 120,000 people, we improve blood pressure control from 60% of patients under good blood pressure control to around 75% of patients under good blood pressure control using that bundle. In that approach for outreach, which was developed by Kaiser Permanente, they use an electronic health record-based registry to identify patients whose last blood pressure was not well-controlled and did not have a follow-up in the next month. And then they reached out to contact those patients and bring them back into care to better treat their high blood pressure. Interesting. That seems to be um, focused on people with elevated blood pressure and the diagnosis of hypertension. But what about outreach for other people with cardiovascular risk factors, such as people who use tobacco or who have diabetes? Yeah, this kind of outreach approach has been shown to be successful in other cardiovascular conditions. So for instance, this was mirrored in diabetes as well. Uh, We did this as part of a similar statewide bundle, except instead of blood pressure control, we were focused on blood sugar control and really looking at um, some of those same key elements, having a treatment algorithm, making sure we had monthly follow-up until the blood sugar was controlled, and then outreach as part of those efforts. And those studies have also shown benefits to improvement in blood sugar control using that same bundle. Other studies in our region and nationally have shown benefits to care coordination outreach for people with diabetes when that outreach is done from the health system or clinic. And then if you think about other conditions for individuals that use tobacco, outreach can check on tobacco use status assess their interest in cutting down or quitting. And for those who are interested in quitting or reducing tobacco use, one could then offer a referral to assistance like the Ohio Quit Line or other smoking cessation resources. And that outreach work can then be documented in the electronic health record. So when there is a follow-up in-person visit, the clinician can follow up on progress towards the tobacco cessation goal. So Dr. Bolin, As you know, I'm a primary care provider in Ohio, and I see Ohio Medicaid patients. Can you share some best practices on how to reach out to my patients who have cardiovascular risk factors that have been shown to be effective in your experience? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Outreach can be done via different modalities, so it can be done via phone call, texting, my chart messaging, or mailing a postcard or letter. We really do need more comparative data to shed light on what works best for whom, but we do know that outreach is effective with uptake ranging from 10 to 25% when using a standardized outreach process within safety net practices. And since you did mention what kinds of best practices or approaches we've seen, I do want to describe one successful approach that's been used across health systems which includes a tiered approach where first health systems send messages via the patient portal for those patients who use it, 
They can then set up an automated process with a vendor for those not on a patient portal, so to text message patients. And if they don't have text capability, that could be automated phone message that goes as a voice message to their phone. If there's no phone number, a message could be sent by a mailed postcard. Mailing is generally more expensive than texting and automated calls, which is why most health systems will use the free patient portal, followed by texting and phone messages before moving to a mailed option, although that will depend a bit on the vendor relationships for a particular system. Dr. Bolin, how would I create my own outreach message for my patients? What sort of things should an outreach message say? Yeah, typically an outreach message should have three elements. First, a sentence letting a patient know why you're reaching out. The second is a sentence about the importance of controlling a particular condition, such as controlling blood pressure or blood sugar. And third is a call to action. So it might be something like, our records show your last blood pressure was high, and you would put greater than or equal to 140 over 90, or you might use greater than or equal to 130 over 80 in the message. And then the next sentence would be about that importance of controlling the the particular conditions. So here an example would be, as you may know, high blood pressure puts you at risk for heart attack, stroke, visual problems, and headaches. And then the last sentence would be that call to action. Please call our office at 123-4567 to schedule a nurse blood pressure visit within the next month. Or for diabetes, it might be something like, our records show your last hemoglobin A1C a measure of your average sugar over the last three months was high. As you may know, high blood sugar puts you at risk for kidney damage, blindness, and nerve pain. Please call our office at 123-4567 to schedule a clinical pharmacist visit to discuss how best to control your sugars within the next month. So in a primary care practice, in your opinion, who should be empowered to do cardiovascular outreach to patients? Does it always have to be a physician or advanced care provider? Yeah, this really differs by practice, and we really encourage people to use a wide range of care team members because this is diverse across our clinics in primary care. So it could be done by a front desk staff, uh, could be done by community health workers, medical assistants, nurses, care coordinators, social workers, uh, or others. It really can be an automated outreach followed by a person doing live outreach for non-responders. And if a person is doing the outreach, they really should be trained on some key phrases to engage patients and to ensure they address barriers to follow up that come up. And that could be done in conjunction with a social worker or or a community health worker at the practice. So for instance, if you're trying to encourage someone to have that follow-up visit, you want to be prepared to address barriers like transportation or other things that may arise. So I'm, I'm wondering how often should outreach be done in the context of cardiovascular disease or diabetes? Yeah, this really depends on the outreach topic and what other outreach efforts are happening within your health system or clinic. We recommend that a health system do this outreach effort at least once a year. If you're doing this one to two times a year, health systems have used the approach of sending up to three reminders about two weeks apart for each reminder. 
if there's no response to the initial outreach attempt. And that's really because you don't want to harass people. So it seems like three reminders is the sweet spot where you continue to get some uptake on that outreach, but not to the point where you're feeling like you're harassing someone. Um, So that's really where that has come from. And if you have a lot of patients on the outreach list that you plan to do an automated outreach to, you should assume that about 15 to 20% of that number are going to call back and uptake the outreach. So you really need to look at your capacity and see if you need to stagger the outreach to two different times about a month apart to ensure sufficient access when people start calling back. Dr. Bolin, the bottom line always seems to be about cost in dollar values. What is our so-called return on investment in community outreach for the healthcare system? What does it cost the system typically, and will it penalize my practice? Yeah, we get asked this question a lot, and it really does depend on what the outreach effort is. In particular, for hypertension, diabetes, the kind of outreach I've described already, the cost to the health system for that automated outreach is typically made up for by patient volume and billing as well as value-based payments for quality metrics. In our health system, where we use this approach for adolescent immunizations, the average visits generated $204 in gross reimbursement for $1.77 in messaging expenses per vaccine given. So in general, you can see that the amount you receive um, highly outweighs the costs of outreach. However, that cost is higher if you're hiring a care coordinator or a community health worker for live in-person calls or outreach. In those instances, using care coordinator billing codes and receipt of value-based payments for higher quality metrics will help offset the cost of a care coordinator or other community health worker that's in the system. Interesting. This information has been terrific, Dr. Bolin. What are some high-level takeaways you'd like our listeners to have? Well, I have two things to say related to outreach as takeaways. One is just to reemphasize that outreach is one opportunity to engage patients in care until their condition is controlled. And the second is really the use of registries and automated outreach followed by more time-intensive outreach for non-responders is an efficient and effective approach to assisting patients with improving their cardiovascular health. So, Dr. Boland, how might listeners find out more about hypertension and diabetes outreach toolkits? Yeah, thanks for asking that. We do have on our cardio website at cardio.org both a diabetes clinical quality improvement toolkit and a hypertension clinical quality improvement toolkit which has that whole bundle I was describing, um, as well as the results of those projects um, displayed. And so within that, there's an outreach section that people can use to see some of what I've talked about today. That sounds like a great resource for our listeners. I'm really grateful for these insights, Dr. Bolin. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Davis. I really enjoyed the conversation. And a special thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Cardio Radio. This concludes today's podcast. Be sure to visit cardio.org to learn more about the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative.